0: Welcome to the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast, a podcast all about leadership, change, and personal growth. The goal? To help you lead like never before. In your church or in your business. And now your host, Carrie Newhoff. Well, hey everybody, and welcome to episode 413 of the podcast. It's Carrie here, and I hope our time together today helps you lead like never before. I am so excited to have Francis Chan back on the podcast. I know a lot of you know him and uh, well, we go all over the place today and uh, really talk about unity, also talk about racial unity and the whole anti-Asian backlash that people have been experiencing in America, something I'm deeply concerned about, uh, and we talk about the future of the church and a whole lot more. I know a lot of you know and love Francis. And this episode is brought to you by Promedia Fire. You can book your free digital strategy session today at promediafire.com forward slash church growth. And by Generis, you can schedule your free generosity pulse report today. An exclusive offer for listeners of this podcast by going to generis.com forward slash carry. That's G-E-N-E-R-I-S dot com forward slash carry. Well, uh, let's talk about division. Let's talk about stopping Asian hate and why influence in the church can't come from self-promotion and so many other things with Francis Chan today. A lot of you know Francis. He's the best-selling author of Letters to the Church, Crazy, Love, Forgetting God, Erasing Hell. And he and his wife, Lisa, are co-authors of You and Me Forever, Marriage in the Light of Eternity. We catch up with him this time as he has come back from Hong Kong and is back in the U.S. and talk about, well, all things leadership and life with Francis as usual. Hey, thank you so much for those of you who are leaving ratings and reviews. We are at over, I think, 1,400 on the U.S. iTunes store right now. Uh, Tyler Dickerhoof, thank you so much for the feedback on the convo with Adam Grant. Five stars. You said such a wonderful interview and conversation with Adam. Conversation and ideas were very enlightening. Man, I've heard so much about Adam Grant's interview. Adam, again, thank you for being so open and so available to our audience. And uh, another review, this one led by Sheer Biv. Kerry's conversations are leadership gold. Doesn't matter who Carrie speaks with. He says, there are always lessons I can clearly identify and apply to teams. Sometimes the lessons are challenging and provocative. Sometimes they're affirming, but they're always timely. So glad to hear that. Hey, if you haven't left a rating and review, could you do that? And if this episode means something to you, I would love you to be able to share it. Uh, We have show notes for you, too, for free, including transcripts over at carrienewhoffcom forward slash episode 413. So are you getting ready to hire a creative or digital staff member at your church? You got a couple of options. You can hire yourself. You know how complicated that is. Or... You can go and get ProMedia Fire to get an entire team of experts working for you for less than the cost of a pro staff hire. With ProMedia Fire, you save on employee taxes, healthcare, and you know, you get the benefit of a full team. So it's kind of your choice. One person, whole team of pros. You can book your free digital strategy session today to explore more. There's no downside to it by going to ProMediaFire.com forward slash church growth. That's promediafire.com forward slash church growth. And a lot of churches, surprisingly, have experienced stability in their giving over the last year, which is some of the best news that the team over at Generis has heard during the pandemic. But a new concern is growing. Will another shoe drop in 2021? What about the economy? Uh, Will there, like, what's happening to giving, especially with the switch to hybrid church? The truth is, whether it's next month, next year, or in five years, probably the shoe will drop. The economy is going to shift. There'll always be a new mission, new need, or maybe a new opportunity. And you're like, man, wish we had money in the bank, right? So the team at Generis is offering a free opportunity for leaders of this podcast to do exactly that to prepare for the future with their Generosity Pulse Report. Think of the Generosity Pulse Report as a quick snapshot of the health of your culture of stewardship and giving so you can get A bit of an insight now into how prepared you are for the future, whatever it brings. So that way you know where you stand. So if you want to get your free Generosity Pulse report today, an exclusive offer for listeners of this show, go to generis.com forward slash carry. So G-E-N-E-R-I-S.com forward slash carry. And that way, no matter what lies ahead or whatever opportunity presents itself, Generis can help you achieve it. Generis.com forward slash carry for that. And now, uh, well, why don't we dive right into my conversation with Francis Chan. Francis, welcome back to the podcast. It's uh, great, great to have you back and catch up. A lot has happened since you were on last about a year ago. So can you catch us up on, on what's been going on in your life? Oh gosh, so much has happened. Was I in Hong Kong the last time we Yeah, the last time you and I talked it was for the Church Pulse weekly podcast I do, uh and you were going to the visa office to see if you could stay in Hong Kong. And uh well, now we're we're with you in Phoenix. So.
1: Yes, yes. I had to do a quick filming thing out at the Grand Canyon yesterday, so I'm in Phoenix, but uh yeah, we we uh we had issues with our visa. They um said we need to leave the country. So we did. And we're trying to get back in. But um, so far, uh, it seems like the Lord has me in America for now. So Mm. we really don't know what's next. We're uh, we're just kind of floating here.
0: Yeah, that's really, you know, because we've connected a number of times over the last four or five years. And you know, you have an openness, particularly at this stage in your life, that I think is fairly rare. I mean, you were you were in California, led a very, very big church, went to San Francisco. Then you went to, was it Myanmar? No, you were thinking about yeah. going there. Then you ended up in Hong Kong. Uh, you were there. You were starting a church there and doing your other wider ministry. Now you're back in the U.S. Like, it's it's a very interesting, like, I wish I was as open as you are. Like, I really like my safety. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talk to yeah, us about what that feels like at this stage in life, because you're in your fifties. It's not like, yeah. you know, that's, that's almost like a 23 year old kind of level of relocation. And, and I, I find it very challenging and I hope God doesn't require it of me to be honest with you, Francis. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know what? I, I actually, I, I mean, I really enjoy it yeah. and I feel more peace when, uh, uh, when I'm just out trying something. Uh, and, uh, and living by faith where I'm not sure what's going to happen next. Um, yeah, I think I've always just uh, thought I want to, I want to make sure I'm not living for myself. Not to say anyone that's staying in one place is, I think for me, it's just one of those things where I want to know I made every effort to get out there, but it's weird. Every time I leave, I feel like the Lord it makes things happen to where I have to come back, and I don't know if I'm just trying to run away from America because um, <laughs> I'm tired of a lot of things, or yeah. uh, or if it's really God's calling. But we had great things happen in Hong Kong. Started some churches, and they're doing great. And uh, and it could be that the Lord just wants us to uh, to let the leadership there take it from here now, and uh, and that's not a bad thing. So. Here well, we that's are. one thing
0: you've done. You've gone from city to city and like left churches in their wake and, and you know, it, to to take over leaders, which is very apostolic, I think, from one perspective. I'd love to ask you You now, a year and a half into this pandemic that we're in by the time this airs, what has been the biggest impact on you personally? I, I love asking leaders that question and everybody's got a different yeah. take
1: for me personally it's been so good uh Mm. i loved it um this is the first time in my adult life that i haven't traveled and so when we got to hong kong we thought we were gonna go to all these countries you know try to get to the unreached people encourage leaders and there we were you know just stuck in this city which we ended up just loving so Mm. that's the first time i've spent a year without getting on an airplane. I mean, I don't remember Same. the last time I spent two weeks without being on an airplane. So, being with the family, getting some close relationships with people in Hong Kong, like really deep hmm. family-type relationships. You know, I had my two married daughters there, son-in-laws, grandkids, and then we just really got to know this this group of people in our neighborhood and just fell in love with
0: them. and.
1: After doing that, I really am questioning, do I ever want to travel
0: again? Can we talk about that a little bit? Because, yeah. you know, there is like I've I've seen it described as revenge travel. So there's there's a whole group of people who like, you know, none of us have been able to really jump on a plane. So it's like, yeah, I want to go on a cruise. I want to go to a, a desert island and you know to a beach or a resort or the mountains or whatever. And and there's that kind of travel, but then there's what you and I do, which is yeah. we're in the air for a living. And I think that's a different thing. Like, would I like to see the ocean again? Yeah, I'd like to see the ocean again at some point. But I'm, I'm, I am I'm. think this has been a reset for me. I don't think I'm going to travel nearly as much as I used to. What what are your thoughts on that for those of us who do live a lot of our lives on the road?
1: Well, I mean, for me personally, like, like what we're doing right now, uh-huh. uh, people are listening in. I, I'm just going, gosh, if this is what I do and people can hear me without me jumping on a plane and this is just the way people listen and communicate now, then what, is it really that much better that I'm literally standing on a stage and you can see me or look at me through a screen in a room? Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's really not that different, so why do I do it? All of that time spent traveling, um, just the hurriedness, which is not like my life is boring and slow, Mm -hmm. Um, and I think some excitement, it's like, why add, you know, why spend that time getting rental cars, hotels, you know, lines at the airport, uh, I could be doing much better things with my time and still accomplishing. And I think this is what a lot of people are learning. Wow. I don't actually have to drive, commute an hour to my office. Mm -hmm. I can actually be more productive this way, um, so that's good. It, but at the same time, we have to be careful because there is something that's lost, yeah. right? I mean, it's cool to see your face and we're talking, mm. but there is something that's lost with the face-to-face. You know, if we were sitting down for coffee, it would be different.
0: Uh, yeah, but, it would be different. I think the last event yeah. we did together was in Hawaii about three years ago. And I remember seeing you at breakfast with your some of your family was yeah. with you. And I'm like, I'm not going to bother Francis at his table. Like you need to have that time with family, but you're right. It is a, it is a different vibe. Do you think, cause now you and I, and along with a lot of people listening to this podcast have basically been home for a year, so to speak, and had that hard reset. That was not our choice. What is the difference you notice in your soul? Um, do you think road life can be damaging to your soul? And I'm not talking about moral failure, but like, what, it, what, how are you different? Because you haven't been in the air all the time.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And I, I think a lot of people have found this. We, we thought that all that time that we saved from travel, which is hundreds of hours, yeah. um, would give us more rest and peace, um, But here's the thing is we end up spending more time online, which gets our mind moving even more, you know, and digitally, maybe more time just in front of the screen. And so there needs to be this discipline, Um, because, you know, if you told me three years ago, hey, there's going to be a year where you won't travel at all, I would think my mind is going to be so much more clear clear. My prayer life will be more focused. And yet, because of the amount of time in front of screens, uh, it took away some peace. Mm. You know, at least on the airplane, I was too cheap to pay for Internet. So (laughs) (laughs) I could have some quiet and be disconnected. But now it's like, oh, I can't go out. Might as well be online and trying to do all that I can. And I think that even uh, messes with our our minds even worse, Mm -hmm. um, even more so. Uh, Yeah, I don't think it, uh, sadly, that part hasn't been as helpful um, as it could have been because of my lack of discipline. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed to just shut off the devices more often.
0: I know as we're recording this, one of the big changes has been just uh, we're going to talk about division and unity and the whole deal. But some of that has has racial implications. I, we I mean we've seen this with uh, you know African American racial equality justice and all of the things that have happened over the last year. But also particularly more recently, just Asian yeah. hate, like a lot of Asian hate. I, I'm wondering. You know, if you have anything you want to say about that, Francis, as an Asian-American leader, pastor, um, preacher, like how, how has that impacted you? Has that impacted you? What What are your thoughts on that? It's something that's deeply disturbing to me. Yeah,
1: gosh, I have so many thoughts. I, I Okay, this is really interesting. Last night, I spent the night uh, on a reservation, a Native American reservation wow. with this guy you know, that I just met, and he invited uh, us to go, and I I was so ignorant um, of the hardships that some of them have gone through, and you look at our country's history, I mean, that's another thing we don't talk about, Yeah. Um, yeah. but listening to his heart, a great guy, and he wasn't being like, angry or anything else just kind of explain the situation because i'm like how do you guys live out here and you know and i was uh, i was a bit ignorant i was very ignorant and it just saddened me it's kind of messed up my mind because i'm going whoa that is awful and in a sense i'm a part of that as an american in some way and and so i guess Uh, God was opening my eyes to my own ignorance on certain Mm -hmm. issues. And I think that's what has happened across the country. Uh, While some people have dug in and decided to fight, others have really tried to be in their shoes, you know, whoever is being attacked. And so for me as an Asian American, yeah, it it's me. There are quite a few attacks in my neighborhood in San Francisco Mm -hmm. with elderly Asian men, which – I'm in that group now. Uh, and, and it is weird. You get calls people saying, wow, it's really not safe in our neighborhood to be walking around. And, and it's, it's weird. I mean, there's, there's part of me that's at peace because I married a Caucasian and my kids are kind of mixed, but it's just, it's, it's weird to be the one targeted. So I thought I was pretty sensitive, uh, to the black lives matter movement. Mm -hmm. Um, but you really can't understand it till it's you, (laughs) right? As much as you think you do, then you realize, oh shoot, they're targeting me now. Uh, That's really weird. Okay, this is different. This does feel different. I couldn't have understood that. And I've I've dealt with some things throughout life. Mm -hmm. Like I, I remember you know, being in my 20s and falling in love with this girl. I mean, just was so into her and and she was into me. And then one day she just says, hey, this isn't going to work. My parents would never go for this. I'm like, what? You know, and, you know, they're leaders in the church and everything else. And I'm like, whoa, really? I mean, just it was the first time it really hit me and hurt me. And it's like, so just because of my nationality, whoa, that is so crazy. And uh, I mean, it was devastating. Um, and so there's there's little things here and there, but uh, but I don't expect anyone to understand that and and understand those are those are isolated. They're few and far between. Um, for the most part, the majority has been they don't treat me differently because of my skin color uh, or my nationality. and uh, it's been a blessing to me. I love being able to go back and forth and and uh, different and I think that's a hard thing for me is I genuinely like people that have different nationalities. Uh, I, I I don't get the I don't get the hatred. I don't get the level of anger, but I also understand that I have not gone through what others have gone through and the hardships they've gone through. And so I am a, I am a bit more understanding.
0: You said um, a number of things, but one of them is it it feels different when it's you. So am I right in saying now you feel like an escalation of that, even over what you would have experienced in previous decades, Francis? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a tense time because yeah, um, the tensions between China and the U S mm-hmm. um, it's weird. It affects my, my life a lot because mm-hmm. here I am trying to get over to China and, and, uh, and maybe I've been a little naive, but you know, I just think, gosh, I can live anywhere and people treat me okay. And, now you start realizing gosh when I'm in China they don't aren't thrilled with me cuz I'm American and then when I'm in America you know I'm Chinese and and there's implications to that now but I don't know I don't know it's 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 not anything that at the end of the day because I believe in the sovereignty of God I go Lord you have me on the earth right now. And it is by no mistake that I am Asian American. Right. And there is something you want me to do. And this is stuff that was ordained, I believe, before the foundation of the world hmm. that God knew me. He created me for this time. It's not like I was born and God goes, Oh, what do I do with this one? You know, like. <laughs> There, there was a plan in all of this and and so I get excited, you know so the, all the things I just described, yes, they can be hurtful, but it's it's not lasting because get my mind act focused on whoa God, you made me for this for this time, so you knew I could handle whatever came my way, and I was actually made for this. Because just show me, tell, give me the words to say, because I don't want to mess this up. Give me power when I speak, you know, and just I just if I can sense your presence with me amidst whatever I go through, that's a good thing. Anything that draws me closer to you is a good thing. And mm-hmm. so I look at all of this uh, and it seems weird, but there's a there's an excitement to it because I believe I can be a part of of the solution.
0: Well, we live in a, in a really divided era. And I think over the last year, we've seen that division even get worse. And, you know, we talked about it and we'll link to it in the show notes. But, you know, you've been the subject of criticism before, not because of your skin color or, or whatever, but just like, oh, Francis yeah. did this or Francis did that. Yeah. And, and we've had some really meaningful conversations about how to handle that, how to handle the division. And you are a relentless optimist, but you've got a new book out. And I would love to talk to you about why you wrote it and how you have felt the climate change when it comes to unity, division, tribalization, politics, all, all of that.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I wrote a book about unity, and I, mm. I've been thinking about this for well over a year, and I, I, it's from reading the scriptures. When I yeah. think about what God okay. Forget what Carrie wants, what Francis wants. Who cares? We're talking about the one who spoke the universe into existence, <laughs> who is keeping us alive right now. We're able to con- you know, have this conversation because of him. Yeah. Like The moment he stops giving us breath, it's over. It is all about him. And he says he sent his son. I mean, his one and only son to die on the cross so that Carrie and Francis, who both believe that Jesus died for our sins on the cross. Okay. I mean, we believe this story. We believe this happened. He says that happened so that we could be one with him and one perfectly one with each other. Okay. That's what he wants. OK, so there may be things about me that bother you. There may be things about you that I haven't found any yet. But, you know, there are <laughs> things about you. If We got to know each other. Yeah, of course. Me. Okay? But I just gosh, who cares? OK, let's put that aside and just try to please him the best we can. And and it just seems like. Not many people are thinking about this. And we have a very casual, I've had a very casual attitude towards Christian unity. Uh, And I think it's because it just felt like it was impossible. So why even try? Um, But then I look at the scriptures and I look at what God wants and I go, I have to, I have to give this a shot. Um, So that was kind of the heart behind it.
0: I love the dedication of uh, your book. It's probably the most startling I've ever read and the most refreshing I've ever read. Mm. Uh, and I'm quoting here, this book is dedicated to the followers of Jesus from various denominations who have forgiven me for my arrogance and divisiveness over the years. Mm. Yeah. That was so, can you explain, can you, can you talk about yeah. how you got to that place?
1: You know, I've not always been in the place <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I came out of seminary, I just thought I knew everything. Mm-hmm. And I had an answer for everyone of each denomination and they've all got it wrong and I'm gonna fix them. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna set this right and I'm gonna do it in the name of Jesus. This is my calling on the earth is to fix their theology. And I was arrogant. I was, I, I mean, I was very anti anything charismatic. You know, so if I heard someone who believed they had a gift of prophecy or tongues or whatever, and they were in my church, like I seriously didn't want them there. Okay, that's that's where I was. And I I mocked anyone who felt they were they were led by the spirit and could hear from the spirit. I, I saw a video I made. Okay, this is back when we had video cameras and <laughs> you know, youth groups and stuff like that, where I was mocking just literally mocking people who felt they were led by the spirit. I mean, that's, that's how bad I was. Um, and I, over the years, I got to know some people from different denominations, and I saw their devotion to Jesus, their Christ-like lifestyle, their knowledge of the word, because mm-hmm. I used to, oh, they're all ignorant. Um, and you realize, okay, these guys are pretty sharp and, but then I, the way they loved me, I saw the love, Mm. the joy, peace, all the fruit of the spirit far more than what I saw in myself and my own camp. And you realize, Ooh, I, I think I was wrong about this guy. And if he is a brother or sister in Christ, that means the very spirit. Of God himself dwells in them and so I need to be careful of that that's a child of God it's like if I, I ran into your son or daughter mm. you know and I just flat out mock them and then I come onto your show like hey Carrie, how you doing <laughs> you know like yeah, you it's would have it's like hey my daughter told me what you said about her you know Like there would be, as dads, this like uh, protectiveness, like a little bit of wrath, you know, like, I don't care what you say about me. You're talking about my daughter and we're doing that. And then coming before God, the father, that's that's crazy. So I have gone to some of these people and and apologized and said hey you know what i i used to mock people in your camp and i am so sorry i see your life now i see your love for jesus and doesn't mean we're going to agree on everything theologically but um you know will you forgive me Hmm. there's been such a graciousness and uh
0: yeah, and I'm, You know, really... you say something about, because I think about myself in my 20s, and I was much more certain of what I believed, not theologically, but just my opinions about what yeah. I believed mm-hmm. in my 20s than I am now. Like, I'm, I'm probably a little more open, a little more like, hmm, I could be wrong. Is there, you, you, I know some young, humble leaders, but there is that confidence that comes with youth, perhaps that overconfidence. And you got a ton of young leaders listening right here. Anything you would say... To twenty-five-year-old Francis, who's coming out swinging, that uh, young yeah. leaders would want to hear.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, like, don't lose. Like, I don't want to ever like quench someone's fire. Like, mm. God cares about truth. He does. Yeah, he does. I, I'm not saying unity at the expense of truth. which anyone who pursues unity, will be accused of, oh, you just want unity at the expense of truth. Right. Well would it be possible that you want both? Okay. I want both. I mean, I feel like both are commanded, you know, and then you add holiness to that and go, gosh, no, God wants this. And so please don't lose that. But, you know, here's what I would have you consider. Cause no one had me even question this. Okay, because some of you are listening and you're going, oh, there's Francis. His theology is so messed up. And and okay, how do you know that? Um, How do you know that you are right and I am wrong? I mean, seriously, sit Hmm. down. It goes back to your epistemology. How do you how did you arrive at a better theology than I did? It was it just God blessed you with better people to teach you. And your circle is more intelligent than my circle? Is, is that it? Is it an IQ thing? So when you study the scriptures, you go, gosh, you know, whoever has the highest IQ is going to have the best interpretation of scripture. And I believe mine is higher than Francis's. My ability to reason and, and study and come to right conclusions, I'm just more gifted at that than he is. And so he's been deceived. He's Is that it? Mm-hmm. Or would you say, no, when I read the scriptures, the spirit has to enlighten us to truth. According to Corinthians, the natural man can't understand this. So I have a better theology than Francis because I'm closer to the Holy Spirit, more in tune to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I have a better theology. Or finally, I'm almost done. Could it be that you think your theology is better because? God gives grace to the humble and he opposes the proud and you are just a lot more humble than I am. So God has graced you with knowledge of truth. And because of my arrogance, he's opposing me. Hmm. So 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 what is it? Is is it your knowledge? Is it the spirit or is it your humility? That has given you a better theology than mine. And so therefore, you need to fix me. Um, I think those are important things to think through because it's if you really start thinking this through, you, you know, you go, gosh, I, why did I think I knew more than those guys? Um, because I was told by my circle that I knew more than those guys and I just accepted it.
0: You know, there is a cultural moment we're in. There's also human nature, right? That humans have been humans <laughs> ever since we've had humanity, right? So you got arrogant people and humble people and division. I mean, none of this is new. You you can see the division in scripture too, between families, between factions, etc. cetera. So it's a human condition. Um, on the other hand, we also have social media now. We also are in this cultural moment where for all intents and purposes, to some of us, it feels more intense than it used to. Would you say that we are more divided than we were two decades ago? Or would you say it's just been, our division has been amplified more publicly now than it was two years ago? What's your take on that?
1: I think we're way more divided now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's more of an every man for himself type of time. Yeah. Whereas before you more joined yourself with a, a group of people, uh, you, you know, I mean, Think about it in the church a thousand years ago, (laughs) there wasn't that much of an issue. There was one church for the most part. Right. Right. And so then, for the next couple hundred years, there were two places you could go. And then it went to three. And then, you know, the last 500 years, it's gone to thousands um, of these groups you can choose. But now, in the last decade, You can just start your own group um, at any time. And so there's just more to choose from. And I think when everyone wants to have a voice and everyone wants to have followers, there's this weird thing that happens where you start um, saying things to gain followers and to almost keep people from following others. Um, and that's, that's new. That's new to this generation.
0: So is that social media driven, do you think? And, and internet driven in the sense that we all have like, you're right. A, a hundred years ago, geography was a barrier. It's like, well, we have yeah. three churches nearby and I like this one the most, but now yeah. you can go anywhere anytime. It is hyper-individualistic. So how, what, what does technology do to that hyper-individualism?
1: Well, Also, to get people's attention too, you have to write something pretty shocking, right? (laughs) And so, if it's, you know, if you say, I'm not sure if I agree with Francis on this point, no one's going to click on that. Yeah. Um, But if they say, Francis Chan is a heretic, he thinks he's the, you know, second coming, you know, like, what? Francis thinks that? I'm going to go look at that. So now, you know, I could look at that and go, How dare he? I'm going to find so much junk on this guy. I could just destroy his life. And I, you know, and so it was this back and forth of, You don't even know me. And you're just trying to gain, you know, people's attention. And you don't even realize what it does to a person. So I'm going to get you back. And, and I could. And that, it's, it's just that the possibility of um, stirring up anger, uh, we couldn't do that before. Before, if you wanted to fight me, you'd have to find me. Hmm. Now you can just, you don't even have to know my email. You can just post something about me. And uh, it's, uh
0: Yeah. It is interesting. You know, there is a formula that gains attention and we live in the attention economy. And we've talked about this before on this podcast, where you said you basically quit social media because you've tried numerous times to get in and try to make a difference. And it's almost impossible. I see in you the same thing, because I've talked about it with Seth Godin and and Cal Newport on this podcast, but none of them is particularly active on social. They're just not. Cal Newport doesn't have anything. And yet they've sold millions of books. And Mm -hmm have a global impact. So for the leaders listening who are like, yeah, Francis, because we we have this joke. I'll just, I'll just give you a bit of an excursus here in our company. Like I know how to double my traffic and mm-hmm. I won't do it because it would be something like, you know, is Francis Chan a better preacher than X yeah. and create some <laughs> battle or what Francis Chan won't tell you about, <laughs> or, you know, the, the secret behind uh, Francis Chan's constant movement or whatever. Like, I, I know that would double traffic overnight, but it's like, no, I actually like Francis. And I want next time we're in the same room to go to lunch with you. And I want yeah. to ask you some great questions. But like, we're on the same side, dude. Like, we are friends. Yeah. Yes. But I know that that would double traffic overnight. And so there's a certain point we joke about that in our company. It's like, there are lines we won't cross. There are things we mm-hmm. won't do. And if it means that fewer people listen, fewer people listen. But I'd love to get a really good, you know, I'd like to get your story out on this podcast. I'd like to benefit from your work. So there is that attention economy that is continually, uh, you know, it, it tempts you to do things that that create an ethical line. So you're somebody who has largely not totally walked away from social, but you're not, you're not gaming the system on social. And yet you've impacted millions of people through your teaching and your books. Any thoughts to leaders listening who are like, I don't want to play the game, but I don't know how to get influence.
1: Yeah. You know, I've been really convicted about this lately. Mm, Okay. okay, So a few weeks ago, I just see my mind is going nuts, right? I, I try to pray and it's like, you know, I, I, I use that illustration like those bingo balls. You know, like that's <laughs> yeah, not,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know that throw, prayer life. Uh-huh. You
1: know, the Jesus ball in there, but it's mm-hmm. rattling around with eighty other thoughts, and they're right. battling for my attention. And so I just went for a run, and I thought, okay, God, I'm gonna clear my head, and I just want to pray through the Lord's Prayer without distraction. Yes. And <laughs> I couldn't do it. It's like I kept. You know, I mean, I ran for miles, like the longest I've ever <laughs> run, because I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna pray through it and mean every word and say it to God. And I couldn't. And so I realized I need to clear my mind. And so that week I said, I am not gonna pray any other prayer other than the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And I just want to do it over and over. And and I kept getting to that phrase, hallowed be thy name. Mm-hmm. And so convicted, like, God, do I live every day going, hallowed be your name. God, as I do this podcast with Carrie, at the end, would your name be lifted up? Like, this is all we want. Is this is right now. People say Jesus, and, you know, like, that means nothing. Is there a way to make your name hallowed? Because right now, if you if you have an event at a church uh, and it says Francis Chan will be there. There's a group that will show up for that that would not just show up for communion mm. in the presence of Christ. And so whose name is hallowed right now? You know, we have these Christian celebrities, yeah. and, and I've just been, I've, I've had a different attitude where I th- I've always been like, I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. But as I was praying that week that, That phrase from John 3 where John the Baptist says, he must increase. Mm. I must, must, must. So just go, okay, how does Francis Chan decrease? I've got to figure out. I must decrease. And I think most leaders in America are thinking, I must increase so that he can increase. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Like we read think it's up to us. I better get more followers so that I can lift up the name of Jesus. And there is something about, no, no, no. John the Baptist wasn't thinking that. He's just like, go to him, go to him. And, and, and I, I've just been seeing myself more like the, the receptionist at the ER, you know, going, okay, I got to I, no one wants to see me OK, I'm just going to get you into a room with a great physician. I've got to get you there. OK, I, I just, you know, you're going to thank the doctor, you're going to thank him. But we are looking at ourselves as the doctors, as the ones who are going to fix everything. And I'm just going, OK, Lord, I must decrease. Help mm-hmm. me figure this out. And so for those of you starting off in ministry, don't fall into this trap. Um, one, one last thing on this i remember being with an underground church leader in china years ago and he says you know you americans keep thinking that you have to become popular to have an impact but in china in the underground church it was those who were most hidden that had the most impact the greatest wow. impact because we couldn't be found um and i thought wow what a beautiful thing for your soul and could it be possible that me being quieter and being in the presence of God and and doing more things that are unseen will actually have a greater impact in lifting up the name of Jesus and making hallowed his you know name? And is it the fact that everyone is thinking they need more followers um, you know on social media to to make the name of Jesus greater because it's not happening. It's not working. No.
0: And it's a fascinating link between influence and division. You're right. I think there is uh, not a dotted line, but perhaps a solid line between one of the ways to get... Well, uh, Rick Warren was on this podcast saying that he heard years ago from a church leader in the 1980s that the best way to raise money was to have an enemy. And, you know, because if you polarize people they will they will try to fund yeah. you. What what do you think this yeah. is doing to the church? This kind of division, this kind of hatred, this bitterness. Like I know it feels like a rhetorical question, but it's not. You know, it's I don't think people realize
1: how damaging it is. Yeah. And it's almost like they can't help themselves. They want to grow their whatever it is. Um they're they're following somehow and so they do these things sometimes subconsciously you know i'm not saying everyone has these horrible hearts and that's why they're doing this it's just happening and one i don't think they realize how much it affects leaders um you know i'll be i'll be honest like for myself i'm i i consider myself pretty strong um but it's it it's it hurts sometimes. And I, I fight through it's like, no, I'm not gonna be a coward. I'm not gonna, you know, cry about this. Um, but some things that have been said by people you thought loved you and were on your side, um, now because it's not even anything you said, it's the fact that you associated with someone who in their mind was an enemy. You know, like a Rick Warren, yeah. you know, got blasted for saying anything nice about him. Mm. And yeah. And I was actually threatened. They said, take it back publicly, or we will put you on this list and label you a false prophet. Oh my and I was like, that was the first, like, so direct. And I was like, whoa, and this is a friend of mine. And I'm like, I can't take it, you know, and you're like, whoa. And so sure enough, I'm put on this Christian blacklist. And then it, it happened again with several other leaders, Mike Bickle, Ravi Zacharias, you, you know, Bill Hybels, whoever, it's like, if you're going to say anything positive about them, you, and so then you start, it makes you start wondering yourself as a leader who's strong. And I have a great, like, I love the Lord Jesus, but it goes through my mind. Am I on the wrong team? Because (laughs) this is like weird. And these are supposed to be people on my side. They, They, I know they're wrong about me. So what else are they wrong about? Mm -hmm. Um, and it has caused me to question Mm -hmm. some things. And so if I have gone through so much, you know, and now as a 53 year old man who's walked with the Lord for about 40 years and has seen, you know, answered prayer after answered prayer, the behavior of people who call themselves Christians has, has caused me to wonder, um, I, I can only imagine what it's doing to the church at large. Um, and I'm, and if I'm hurt, I can imagine how it's affected others.
0: So, you know, the divisiveness, the partisanship, and the tribal thing that we pass off as Western Christianity, so to speak. Do you think hmm. that's even Christianity? Like, do you think there's a line at which this stops being authentic, <laughs> biblical jesus-fueled christianity
1: okay here's the thing and i i um okay so my quick answer is yes Mm. it could be still christianity because like i said when i came out of seminary i loved jesus Mm. but i was indoctrinated and told you know and i'm in this circle that has been telling me for years they're not really believers. They're not really believers. They're not really believers. Um, they're not speaking in tongues. They're communicating with the devil, you know, like those types of things. And so you come out and you're like, whoa, that's not of the Holy Spirit. That's evil. And so I really believed I was doing that in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So I do believe there are those who love the Lord and have just been instructed this way and um, but then there's another part of me that questions you know the same question you have because okay, the Holy Spirit of God, if He is in you, the Bible says in ephesians three that these divisions, this slander grieves the yeah. spirit of yeah. God, and so if he is in you, you know each time you you partake in this divisiveness, there's going to be something internally that is longing for unity amongst those who claim the name of Jesus. So if you feel nothing of that over a period of time, you've got to wonder, is he really in you? Because I really believe it's, 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 it's like when, when uh, and I don't want to go too far, They just came to my head, so don't judge me theologically, but- it's almost like when Mary and Elizabeth, you know, when when the baby jumped in her womb. And and there is something of that when you meet another believer and you go, Oh, I can tell he or she has the spirit of God in mm. him, in her. And I, that's my brother, that's my sister. And there's an excitement. Why? Because there's this oneness in the spirit. And if you feel nothing, um, you know, of people outside of your You know, your little circle, I've got a question whether the spirit is in you, because I know as much as I was indoctrinated one way, once I met some of those people and saw the spirit of God in them, there was a desire for unity. And I believe that comes from the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have any of that, um, you know, Ephesians 4 tells us that we're supposed to be eager To maintain the unity of the spirit, yeah, Yeah. to maintain it, we're not creating something. Hmm. The spirit created that in you, and and you should be eager to maintain that. Um, So that's that would be my. That's a good point.
0: Okay, final question for you: There are leaders listening, and I think we're all guilty of this to some extent. We stir up division. Uh, And there are some people who are like, you read my mail. Okay, yeah, I am trying to gain influence by pitting myself against other people. What would you say if someone feels convicted by their level of competitiveness, divisiveness? What are some steps or a step that they can take to change course?
1: I think the number one thing is to just shut up, (laughs)
0: like not say anything.
1: (laughs) You know... You know, the Bible says in the the abundance of words, sin is not absent. And, you know, like Ecclesiastes says, you know, guard your steps when you go into the presence of God. You know, don't be so quick to speak. Um, You don't know that what you're doing is evil. Hmm. And uh, I would say get in the presence of God. Take some time to think about who he is compared to who you are. Think about his thoughts being so much higher than yours. Think about the fact that you can think and breathe right now because of him and just bow down at his feet. Like, don't, don't just say a bunch of stuff to him. Just sit and stare. You know, like David says in, in Psalm 27, this is what I want every day. God, this is all I ask. One thing I ask, can I just dwell in your house? Can I just gaze at your beauty? You know, we, we say, like, Lord, you know, we want things on earth to be like they, they are in heaven. In heaven, not everyone's just talking to each other about random things. They're all staring at the cross, at, 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 at the throne, at Jesus, um, at the Father, just marveling, worshiping Him. And I just really believe that's that's where we have to start. And then when you start seeing other people doing the same thing, not looking at you and what you've done and said wrong or said right, but we're, we're not looking at each other. We're staring at him. And you see someone over there weeping, you know, screaming out praises to your God. Hmm. There's going to be uh, more unity in that way. So it has to start there. And and from there then comes the repentance and the apology for those who have publicly slandered and have been wrong. Um, And no one ever hears the apology as as loudly as they hear that initial biting, you know, angry thought you you may not gain followers. You may actually lose some, um, but you got to just do what's right. Yeah. And, you know, just be convicted about it. Well, one last thought, and I've used this illustration before It's like I if I lived during the time of the Virgin Mary and and I knew my savior was in her womb, how would I treat her? And so now if I believe that very Jesus is inside of you, Carrie, no matter what you say to me, no matter what you do to me, what type of honor should I show you? That's what I'm trying to do with those who I know. The Holy Spirit of God is in them.
0: Hmm. Well, that's a good place to leave it. Tell us about your book. And then, where are you active online these days? My guess is not very, but that's okay. That's a good thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, occasionally when I'm, uh, I feel like the Lord wants me to, you know, film a message or say something. And that's why I was at the Grand Canyon yesterday. I go, I want to go over there and shoot something. I have Hmm. some things to say. You know, I think are of the Lord. You know, you do your best um I'll do that but other than that I'm I'm not on it and uh but there is a book coming out and it's about unity it's about this issue and I I I don't believe a book is going to change everything cuz other books about unity have been written but if it can get people to think and if it can get people to pray um and say god you know what I want the same thing Jesus prayed for this really is a desire of my heart that John 17 prayer that we could all become perfectly one so that the world would believe, God, I want that. I really want that. And show me how I'm adding to the division. If I can just get people to pray and God could see all of uh, these humble people praying to him saying, we want what you want, then uh that book is that's some use, but I'm I'm not kidding myself and thinking this is the book that's gonna bring all <laughs> yeah. believers. You
0: know, and what's it uh, called? The book, you know, just just tell people what it's called. Until unity. Until unity.
1: It's until unity. It's based on Ephesians 4, where it says the job of the leader really is to equip the saints for the work of service mm. until we attain to the unity of the faith. Mm. And so We have to fight for this. If you're a Christian leader listening to this, go look at Ephesians 4. You don't have to read the book. Just look at Ephesians 4. This is our calling. This is what we got to do. Well, I have
0: had a chance to read the book and I really, really appreciated it and really grateful for the time that you've spent with our leaders again today, Francis. Thank you. I know this won't be the last time. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Gary.
0: Well, I really appreciate everywhere that Francis went. And, you know... (laughs) His, his words when it comes to the discrimination that he's experienced uh, really, really move my heart. And uh, I just think this is a time for all of us to band together and say, you know what? No more. Like, no more. We got to stop Asian hate. We got to pursue racial reconciliation. We have to pursue unity. Uh, as a person of faith myself, one of the things that really Uh, humbles me about the Christian church is racism, division between economic classes, uh, ethnic groups. That's as old as humanity. And the early church was really a symbol of unity. Um, Unity in terms of racial reconciliation, unity in terms of economic justice, and so much more. And uh, hey, I just want to encourage you, man, keep the dialogue going. Uh, Keep your own attitudes and heart close to God and close to people who are not just the same as you, but different than you. And Francis, thanks for bringing light to that. I really, really appreciate it. And for all of you who are experiencing discrimination, hate, injustice, standing with you as best I can trying to stand with you. So we have uh, more conversations coming up. No surprise there. You know who's up next time? Tim Keller. This one was so deep and so real And uh, he had a personal crisis over the last year with um, being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And so we talk all about that. And then we talk about the church and the future and life. And here's an excerpt.
1: And we also don't know if that one person is somebody in Iowa who's just tuning into your church in New York because they used to go. You know, In other words, and you begin to realize we still actually don't really know who we've got and what's going on. And basically, I think the main thing is Not only is everybody tired, uh, but nobody's getting any positive affirmation.
0: That's next time. By the time you hear this, I've also just completed an interview with Simon Sinek. We have Tony Morgan coming back. Christine Kane is going to be on, which I'm so excited about. We also have, uh, oh, who else? Chris McChesney from Four Disciplines of Execution. Louis Giglio, David Allen, so many more coming up. Subscribers, you get it all for free. And if this episode has helped you, uh, let us know. Let us know on social. I'm Kerry Newhoff on Instagram, C. Newhoff on Facebook and Twitter. And now it's time for what I'm thinking about. And I am thinking about unity because that's what Francis Chan talked about. So this is brought to you by Pro Media Fire. Book your free digital strategy session today over at ProMediaFire.com forward slash church growth. But hey, if you're a business or not-for-profit leader, check them out as well. And you can schedule your free Generosity Pulse report today to make sure you're ready for whatever comes in the future by going to generis.com forward slash carry. That's only for listeners of this podcast, generis.com forward slash carry. So uh, let's talk about unity a little bit. This is something that's really close to my heart. And you know what? It's close to my heart because it's just easier to be divisive than it is to be unifying. And as an Enneagram 8, I got to tell you, I think my natural unhealthy tendencies lead toward division and lead to blame. And so here's a couple of thoughts that I think can move us closer to unity on the racial front, but also just on the personal front, the marriage front, the team front, the relational front, the cultural front. Uh, Thought number one is simply this, a blaming culture, and we live in a culture of hyperblame, needs a confessing church, all right? One of the best things I can do, one of the best investments of my time is to confess my sin. Because you know what? If I don't, I'm just going to confess yours. I'm going to say, well, this person needs to apologize. This person needs to do X. This person needs to do Y. And could you imagine the church, instead of being like self-righteous, or uh, the, the line that's been resonating in my mind a lot this year is that line from one of the stories of Jesus, where it's like, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan, where it's like, but he wanted to justify himself. Like, yep. How many times do I get into trouble because I want to justify myself? You know, I say, well, I'm not a racist, or I didn't do that, or I didn't. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What's underneath that? You know, have you never had bad thoughts? Like, okay, what if I just confess my sin? What if I say sorry to the brothers and sisters I've hurt? What if I, what if I take a humble view of myself? And could you imagine what would happen if we did that as leaders? Confess our sins, repent change because you'll never address what you don't confess. And uh, I think that's really important. And I think when people start to confess more and accuse less, we will start to make progress. Second thought is, <laughs> these are divided times. A divided nation needs a united church. We really, really do. Okay. I mean, people on the outside are like, why would I hang out with you Christians? Like you guys are a mess and you're so angry and you're so frustrated and you're, you are you know what? A divided nation needs a united church. And then finally, our culture is exhausted, okay? I know these are exhausting times. Even today, in the middle of, almost middle of 2021, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's enough news for today. An exhausted culture needs an alternative to itself, not an echo of itself. The culture is tired of itself, but it doesn't know how to escape, right? They're just in this post-Christian, post-modern vortex, and they're like, I don't know how to get out of that. Well, that's where I think people of faith can help. So uh, what we sometimes do is we offer the culture an echo of itself. We're just as divided, just as angry, just as political, just as ideological, just as, yeah, just bad. And um, the culture needs an alternative, not an echo. And here's what I just remind myself as a person of faith. If God has all the same opinions you do, probably not worshiping God. Um, So in a divided culture, Christians should be the help and the hope, not the hate. So I'm challenging myself with that. Hopefully that's challenging to you. Uh, What can you do to bring about a more united culture, more united world uh, on all the issues, racial justice, economic justice, um, and just the personal discord that infects so much of family, life, and leadership? Uh, A few thoughts I'm challenging myself with. I hope this is helpful. And hey, I'd love to see you somewhere other than the podcast too. Follow me on social. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Also, uh, kind of on Clubhouse too. I haven't done anything with that, but uh, let me know if you think I should do something with Clubhouse. And then uh, we got a party going on all the time over at CarrieNewhoff.com. And it's a joy to be able to serve you as leaders. I really hope this helped. Looking forward to the next conversation. And I hope our time together today has helped you lead like never before. You've been listening to the Carrie Neuhoff Leadership Podcast.